Christians can say some very odd things. And we don't realize it, we being those of you that would call yourself a Christian, those of you who are followers of Jesus, we don't realize it because we say it. We say things and we know what we mean. We, we know the lingo. We, we know what we're driving at. But it's interesting if we were to think about what we say through the lens of someone who's not a follower of Jesus or doesn't go to church or doesn't know the lingo, the language, and the inside track on things. And maybe some of you are newly followers of Jesus and you can remember back, not too far, not too far back, when you would hear Christians say things like sometimes Christians will go to church or they'll go to a, a spiritual event or some type of concert or something where they have the spiritual experience and, and they say things like this. This is interesting. We say things like this. God was there. Do you know God was there? Oh man, God was there. God met with us. And like, okay, so like, where did he sit? Is he like a middle of the row kind of aisle guy? Is he an aisle guy? Is he front row? Oh, God, God, he would be a front row. Right? Like, and I know that sounds kind of silly, but we like, God met with us. Like, what does that mean? Like, God was in the room. Like, I've, I've actually heard Christians say things. Man, God was in that. God was in a room. Like, what, what is that about? Not a bad thing to say. But just think about it. And sometimes Christians will go through a difficult experience or they'll have a, a, a very traumatic experience and, and then there'll be a moment, a transcendent moment, a holy moment, a spiritual moment. And you might hear a Christian say, God was with me. Or I could feel God's presence. Again, Nothing wrong with saying this. I'm not saying these are false statements. I'm just saying we just think about the meaning of what we say. In fact, some of you are like, hey, I felt that today. I have felt that here in the last few moments, you know, as we're worshiping God together and singing these songs. Okay, great. That's fantastic. There's, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying, think about it. What does it mean? What does it mean? Do we know? Do we know? Have we really thought about what all that's about? Or maybe just, let's just get to the crux of the question. Let's, let's just get down to the bottom line. Is, is, God, is God present? Really? And if, and if so, how do we know? Because many people, be honest, and maybe some of you, if you're honest, and if I can be honest with you, even times in my own life, we wonder, we wonder, and there are some people that would actually say, no, I don't think God is present. Because have you seen the condition of the world? Have you seen what's going on in the world around us? Have you seen what's happening in our culture? The pain, all of the problems? I mean, how could God be present? Because, come on, gang, it's easy to be cynical, isn't it? I mean, if you're really honest, it's easy to be cynical, to look around in the world and go, I, how could God be present and, and that happened? How could God be present and this occur? How could God be present and that still be a problem? You see, we often don't see God's presence. We look at circumstances around us and even in our own lives, and not only do we not see, we often don't feel. We don't feel what we feel like we would feel if God of the universe would be present. We don't feel what we assume we would feel because we don't see and experience what we think we should. 
So maybe God to you feels absent or distant. So that's why you're wondering and that's why you're skeptical and that's why you're cynical. And yet maybe some of you are like, no, I know that God is present. Or you're like, I want God to be present. I need God to be present. I hope God is present. Well, you know what? Let's get some clarity on this. How do we know? How do we know? For the next few moments, what I want to do is take you on a little journey, and we're going to cover a lot of ground, a lot of territory, and some of this is going to seem like a lot of information and a lot of detail, and it even may feel theological in some way, and and, and all of this is just to help kind of give us a foundation and a groundwork on this series to kind of to build from. But I, I want to trace the presence of God as we have come to know it and talk about it. I want to kind of trace the presence of God as it has come about God's presence has come about into our knowledge and understanding in the world. There's a progression, a progression, if you will. If, if, if I could use this word, and some of you won't like this word, but that's okay, it's just a word. It, it's, like, it's like the presence of God, how it's um, evolved, right? Yeah, through, through history. You, you'll see what I mean. I want to start back way, 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 way back in the ancient scriptures the time of the Old Testament, wanderings through the wilderness of the people of Israel. I mean, way, 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 way back. They they just left Egypt. The Exodus, most of us have heard about that. We've talked about that. We've told some stories this summer that involved the Exodus. And now they're leaving slavery, 400 years of slavery to the Egyptians, and they're on their way to God's promised land, the land that God had promised their forefather, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and yeah, so they're going through the wilderness. It took way too long, much longer than it was supposed to because of their own, um, there's all kinds of issues that they had, and it's a big long story of why, but just suffice it to say, this was a long time. And God gave Moses, their leader at the time, some very specific instructions about building something called the tabernacle. The tabernacle. The tabernacle was a portable house of worship, a portable place of worship. And as they would wander and move from one place to another, they would set it up, and there was a lot of details on how to set this up and what it was supposed to be like and all of the intricacies and details. They would set it up, and then when they moved to the next place, they would tear it down, pack it up, carry it to the next place, and set it up. And then they go to the next place, they would tear it down, pack it up, and, and then, I mean, way before rubber and raid bins, can you imagine what a chore? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of the days when the Summit Church locations were portable. Both the Kernersville location and the Oak Ridge location for many, many years, way too many years, were portable, which means we met in schools and other places, and we would set up everything, and then we would tear it down and pack it in the trailer, move it away, and then come back, and we had no idea how biblical we were back then. It's a tabernacle. It's a tabernacle. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Inside the tabernacle, all these details, all these different chambers and rooms, and in the innermost part of the tabernacle, the very, very central, what the thing was all about was this place called the Holy of Holies. Holy of Holies. And in the Holy of Holies, the presence of God dwelled. And only the high priest could enter. And only once a year. It was holy, holy 
of holies. And they knew that God was with them. They knew that God was present because they had this holy of holies. It was a tangible expression of the presence of God. That's where it all got started from an experiential standpoint. Now, fast forward, hundreds of years, hundreds of years, fast forward to the time of King David and more specifically his son, King Solomon. The temple was built. And this was a permanent site for the tabernacle. Now it's called the temple. Now they're in Jerusalem. They're in their promised land. They've set up civilization. Jerusalem is thriving and it's booming. And David is strong and in power. And here comes Solomon. And they wanted to build a permanent location, a more permanent location of of the tabernacle. When they called it the temple, we're going to build a temple to you, God, because all the gods had temples, so our gods got to have a temple. And so they built a temple to God. And inside the temple, they put, yes, again, the holy of holies. Here we go. The presence of God. Fast forward, covered in a lot of ground. Hundreds of years after that. In fact, after a period, this is so important, after a period of about 400 years when it seemed like God had been distant and silent. It's a long time. For God to appear to be, okay, what's God doing? What's God saying? What's God communicating? What's going on? A guy by the name of Joseph was in a precarious situation. You may recall the story. He's engaged to a girl named Mary who's pregnant, and he's like, I'm not the dad. This is sticky, icky stuff, and uh, maybe, we, maybe I should just privately, he's a good guy, maybe I should just privately, you know, end this thing, get a divorce, annulment, whatever, you know, just, just, just before, and, and I know we're not married yet, but, you know, back then it was very official, this, this kind of betrothal, and so one night he's so bewildered, he goes to sleep, and in his sleep he has a dream, and the angel of the Lord comes to Joseph in his sleep and tells him that the virgin, Mary, talking about Mary, will conceive and give birth to a son, Jesus. And they will call him Emmanuel, one of Jesus' names, which means, this is interesting, fascinating, God with us. Joseph wakes up. He's like, man, that was, that was weird. Whew, I'm not drinking that stuff again before I go to bed. Right? I mean, wow, wow. I mean, that's God with us. And he begins to think about this this is true. If this is true, this is a different, something, something's happening. This is different. This is different. This is not the presence of God in a place and a space called the Holy of Holies. What does it mean that now God is with us? And even though we didn't fully understand it then, what he had just heard was the signifying of the beginning of a shift that was about to happen. A shift, a holy shift in regards to God's presence. And then Jesus was born. And when Jesus born, the shift took place, or at least hit the next level of the progression. From God's presence just being in a place in a space to now God being with us, right? Here's fascinating. John, one of Jesus' disciples, in fact, one of Jesus' closest friends, if not Jesus' closest friend, he wrote about it like this. When he was an old man reflecting on what he had experienced with Jesus, John wrote, the word became flesh. And the word is referring to Jesus. Jesus is the word of God, right? And I know we often refer to the Bible as the word of God. That's not a bad thing. But if you want to be really correct, Jesus is the word 
of God. The Word became flesh. He was born and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son. So he's talking about Jesus here, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. I highlighted this dwelling among us because this word dwelling here, we, have, we see that and we're going, oh, that's cool. No, but this is huge, this is huge. And, and John's readers would have picked up on the nuance. The word dwelling ties back to the Hebrew word tabernacle. So this literally means Jesus, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. And they would not have missed that detail. Wait a second, now we're back. Okay, the presence of God is Jesus and, and God is with us and Jesus and now he's, he's with us. He's, he's portable again, but not in a place in a space. It's, it's with you and with you and with you and with me and with us. How is this possible? This is weird, this is strange, this is odd. This is a shift. Fast forward to the moment when Jesus was on the cross. And when Jesus was on the cross, something amazing happened. When Jesus was on the cross, when he died, something supernatural happened. And he was absorbing up into himself the sin of all humanity, past, present, and future. At the moment, Jesus died. The curtain called the veil in the temple that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple, that only the high priest could go in once a year, that veil ripped, it tore, and it tore from top to bottom, and that's significant because the thing was massive. Way, I mean, and, and if anybody was going to rip that, if some human being was going to rip that, they would obviously start at the bottom. They would have to, can't get up that high, especially not in a moment. Supernaturally, it tore, it ripped from top to bottom. The veil was rent in two in an instant when Jesus died, signifying, wait a second, wait a second, something's happened now. Something's happened. What, what's going on here with the Holy of Holies? What this signifies is now God's presence is no longer confined to a place or a space. It's no longer going to be about places or holy places or holy spaces. It's now going to be more about faces, people. God is with us. He's here to tabernacle among us and be with you and be with you and be with me and be with them and be with us. Wherever we go, wherever we wander, wherever we live. And to signify that. The veil was torn in the Holy of Holies. As we have come to know it, or as they have come to know it up to that point, was no more in all literal terms. God's presence had left the building. And it was no more about a building. And so when Jesus' parting words to his disciples were, and surely I am with you, Always. Shift. Wait, how is this possible? And we'll talk a little bit more about this next week, but Jesus was getting ready to leave. Jesus was getting ready to leave the planet. He was getting ready to leave them, and he says to them right before he leaves, I'm with you always. How is that possible? How is that possible? Well, just about a month, month and a half after Jesus said this, the festival of Pentecost occurred. And at the festival of Pentecost, God did what he 
what Jesus promised he would do in John chapter 14. He sent his spirit to indwell the hearts and lives of people. And so get that, okay? Tabernacles where it started. Holy of holies, God's in a place in the space. Temple, holy of holies, God's in a place in the space. Jesus comes, there's a shift coming. Now God is with us. God is tabernacling among us. Jesus died, the veil is torn. A holy of holies is no more about a holy place, a holy space. God sends us his spirit and now Paul writes to the Corinthians that we are the holy place, that we are the holy space, that what, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit now and God dwells in you what come a long way baby from the tabernacle haven't we and God sends his spirit to dwell in us wow see how far we've come so no wonder the writer of Hebrews no wonder the writer of Hebrews towards the end of the New Testament says that God promises that never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. Because spirit indwells us. So maybe, maybe David, hundreds of years before, when he wrote this beautiful song, this beautiful piece of poetry, maybe David yeah, he was spot on all along when King David wrote, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn and settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely, surely the darkness will hide me. Surely it's too bleak, it's too dark. Surely things are too bad. And the light, if, if, if I think the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. Even there, the night will shine like the day for darkness. Even darkness is his light to you. What am I saying? What's the point? Here's the point of everything that we've just talked about and the whole journey, the whole progression you and I need to know that God is ever-present, everywhere, every moment. I, I, don't know, I don't know what you believe about the presence of God. I don't know what you think. I don't know what you feel. I don't know what your opinion is up to this point. But the facts are, based upon the facts, that God is ever-present, everywhere, every single Moment. There is no place, no time, no situation, no scenario where God is not there. God's presence is not geographical. God's presence is not conditional. That's so important. God's presence, hear me, is not circumstantial. God's presence is constant. And the key is for you and I to learn to become aware, to open our eyes and acknowledge the presence of God that is ever-present, everywhere, every moment. Get your wheels going, doesn't it? Like, what about, what about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? Yeah, I get it. And we're going we're gonna to unpack a lot of that together in the next few weeks. And so when we say God was there, God was here, God showed up, when we say that, we know what we mean. 
But I want to challenge us to not just throw casually, throw those kind of phrases around and those sentences around. What we should be doing is not trying to locate the presence of God because he's ever-present everywhere, every moment. And what you and I should be more concerned with is becoming more aware of, of God's presence that is ever-present, everywhere, every moment. Acknowledging. Acknowledging it and seeing it. There's no need to ask God for his presence. Do you know that? There's no need to ask God. There's no need to beg God. I, I hear Christians when they pray, and we'll say a little bit more about this next week, but Oh, God, we're begging. We, I just beg for you to show up. Or I beg for you to be present. And I'm like, what? He's already told us. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you always. Did we not hear? Are we not paying attention? You don't have to ask God for his presence. You don't have to beg God for his presence. You don't even have to invite God's presence. Oh, Lord, we welcome you to this place as if he's on the outside going, can I come in? Yeah, no, 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 no. Then we pay attention to what we say because what we say indicates what we believe. Yeah, no, what you and I need to be doing is becoming more aware. God, open our eyes. God, help us see, help us feel, help us know, help us sense. You're ever-present, everywhere, every moment. Now, okay, there's all kinds of places we could go with this. I, I do want to mention one thing that I know is a common question and, and a point of actual discussion and, and debate often that Christians get into because we have terms for things. Again, Christians say odd things and we know what we mean and, and all that, but people that are not followers of Jesus, they go, what, what's all that about? And so I hear Christians a lot of times talking about things that are sacred versus things that are secular. Things that are sacred or spiritual versus things that are secular or worldly, right? And, and that all has to do with God's presence. That things that have God's presence in them and on them and with them and about them and focused on them is, is sacred things, right? Spiritual things. And things that are void of God's presence or have nothing to do with God's presence or anti-God's presence or the opposite of God's presence, we call them secular. And I say we just need to stop labeling stuff because that's the wrong question. Is this secular or is this sacred? Is this secular or is this spiritual? It's the wrong question. Here's the better question. And here's why it's a better question. Because God is ever-present Everywhere, every moment. Here's the better question. How is God present? How is God present in this thing? How is God present in this moment? Now, I know what I mean, and I know you know what you mean. When you say things like that, we're saying, oh, well, this, doesn't, this is not very God-like. This is not very Jesus-honoring. I get it, but it doesn't mean God's presence is not there. We may be resisting the reality Maybe we may be stiff-arming the work of God's spirit in those moments. But we need to be thinking, how is God's present, even if it feels like he's not? How is God present? Because that, that's why we doubt. I mean, come on. That's why we question. That's why I doubt God's presence from time to time. That's why I question in a very human moment God's presence. Because we don't see, again, we don't see what we think we should see and we don't feel what we think we should feel. We assume that God's presence, when God is present and if God is present, we assume it should look a certain way, be a certain way, feel a certain way, accomplish a certain thing. Yeah. But think of it like this. 
If, in fact, circumstances and feelings indicate whether or not God is present, then doesn't that make somehow God a servant to circumstances and feelings? Well, God can't be present because it feels like this. And God can't be present because this circumstance. If circumstances and feelings indicate God's presence or not, then God ultimately is a servant to circumstances and feelings. And nothing could be further from the truth. Here's the truth. The truth is God's presence doesn't always look like we think it should look. And God's presence doesn't always feel the way we think it should feel. It doesn't always feel good. It doesn't always look perfect. It's not always peaceful and it's not always happy. And when things are not good and perfect and peaceful and happy, don't conclude God is distant or absent. You want an example? Let me give you the ultimate example. Here's the ultimate example. Let's go back to that moment when Jesus was on the cross giving his life for the sins, for us, absorbing up into himself the sins of the world of all humanity, past, present, and future. That moment, that, that moment where you, the scriptures tell us you, you couldn't even look on Jesus. Jesus was so gross to look at. He was so beaten up. He was, he was so just completely, almost inhuman. You would look at him and it's just, oh. In that moment, when his followers had left, his disciples had deserted him, and he's hanging there, dying. Innocent, having done nothing wrong. Nothing in all of history looked more like God was absent than that moment of Jesus on the cross. Everything screamed, where's God? And yet Paul to the Corinthians made it clear on the cross, God was not just with Jesus, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. So God was not absent. In fact, at the cross, God was most literally present. In a moment where it felt like and it seemed like and it looked like, where'd God go? Why doesn't God do something? The truth is, God was doing something. It didn't feel good, and it didn't look good, and it didn't seem good. Oh, but it was the most incredible thing that has ever happened in the history of history. You see, God's presence doesn't always look and feel like you think it should look and feel. When God often feels most absent, he's actually very, very, very present. So let's bring this home to me and you. Question, where in your life right now, where in your life right now, what situation, what moment, what predicament has got you going, I don't know where God is. Where's God? God feels absent. God seems distant. Because I look at the situation and I go, God can't be present because of this. God can't be present because of that. God can't be present because I know what I feel. God can't be anywhere around this. God, why, don't, why aren't you close? God, where are you? God, where have you gone? Listen carefully. God wants you to know I am here. In that moment, in that situation, 
in that predicament. I am here. Even though you don't see it, even though you may not feel what you think you should feel, regardless of circumstances and outcomes and emotions, I am here. God wants you to know that he is present, ever present, everywhere in your life, every moment of your life. It's so easy to see this and feel this during good times, right? When something good happens and you got you know, blessings, right? And you're hashtag blessing it up and Oh, yeah, you know, God is good, God is good, God is good, God is good, and God is good, and he's gooder than you know he is, and I know he is, and so he is good, but, and we throw that around, right? And there's nothing wrong with saying that, but we just kind of toss that one out. Oh, yeah, God's good, God's good, God's good. Yeah. So it's easy, right? It's easy when, when we see and feel the goodness of God. But what happens when we don't? God wants you to know, listen carefully, I want you to let this sink in. I am here. I am here in your sickness. I am here during your chemo treatments. I am here in that tragedy. In your overdue bills, God wants you to know I am here. In your marriage, that is anything but desirable. I'm here. God wants you to know that in the middle of your divorce proceedings, I am here. When you're all alone, or maybe you're in a crowded room and still feel completely isolated, God wants you to know, I'm here. As you go through the challenging years of parenting, the maddening years of parenting at every stage. God wants you to know, I'm here. In that conflict, in that suffocating need, in depression, in anxiety, in the middle of your fear, Worry, all of your questions and all of your doubts, God wants you to know, I'm here. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. As you face the problem that seems to scream his absence, you and I need to learn, and it's a learned behavior, to rest in his presence, because God is ever-present, everywhere, every moment. It's about being aware. It's about acknowledging it. It's about opening our eyes. So let's come back to the question, how? How is God present? And over the next three weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to tease that out together. We're going to look around in our lives, and we're going to look at the world around us, and we're going to look inside and outside and all around, and we're going to ask that question, how is God present? Because he most certainly is. 
So we're going to learn to see and engage and even participate with his presence. Learn to live in tune with, in step with, the reality of his presence. Because make no mistake, God is here. It's no longer about a holy place or a holy space or some room that only certain people can access. It's no longer about a holy day or a holy moment or a holy anything, really. It's, it's God saying, I'm with you. Jesus is proof. And Jesus gave us his spirit. He is with us. He is with you. I am here. Every situation at home, work, in church, every conversation, every moment of your day, week, and life, God is ever-present everywhere, every moment. God help us see. And my prayer is that God will help us even feel and sense the reality. Even when it doesn't look like what we think it should look like and feel we think it should feel like. Our Father, we come to you now in this moment acknowledging that you are here. And that's not weird, and that's not spooky, and that's not eerie. That is a comfort. And you're not just here because we're in church, because it's no longer about a building and a holy place and a holy space. When we get in our car, in just a few moments, I am here. When we get home with whatever we're doing, I am here. And tomorrow when we show up at work, we walk into the doctor's office, or we have that conversation, or we read that email, or we receive or have to send that text, and we sit in the silence, or we feel suffocated with problems and pain, you want us to know, I am here. Father, may we receive it and help us to get better at seeing it, feeling it, sensing it, and may we not typecast on you how it's got to be when your presence is at work in our lives. May we stay open and just receive the comfort and the peace of knowing that you are with us. And may my friends, in whatever situation they're going through right now that seems to scream your absence, may they know that even though the circumstances may not look and the feelings may not be there, and the moments may not be playing out in ways that they want or assume. You are ever present, everywhere, every moment with them, with us. All because of Jesus. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.